again for our nation, Lord, and for our president and for the congressmen and senators and military and economic leaders in this nation, Father, we, uh, and for the church in this nation also, Lord. Just lift them up to you, Lord. Pray in this hour um, that your wisdom would rest upon us. Pray in this hour, Lord, that we would have hearts of repentance and that you would stir over the land, Lord. You would stir over the land, Lord, and cause your people to rise up in this hour. And Lord, we ask you to give our, our Lord, we ask for victory. Lord, we ask you for justice uh, in, in the sense that, Lord, if we ask you for justice for ourselves apart from the cross, we would be, we'd be, it'd be to our detriment. But we do ask you, Lord, to, to, to bring justice, Lord, in the earth, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to put a stop to terrorism in this nation. We really ask you to do that, Lord. We, we can't ask you to do that based on our righteousness. We can't ask you to do that based on our cleanliness of hands. But, Lord, we are asking you today because you are our God. Lord, you are our refuge. You are our fortress. And we are putting our trust in you to preserve our lives, Lord. And we ask you to do that and protect us and deliver us from every plan the evil one has for us, Lord. And we ask you that for our nation, Lord, for the United States of America. We ask you to protect our nation and deliver our nation, Lord. You have placed this nation on this earth for a purpose. And Lord, somehow maybe we have gotten away from your purpose. But we ask you to bring us back to the purpose. Save us alive to fulfill the purpose that you have for this nation, Lord. You have placed it here on this earth in this hour, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I wanted to welcome a guest from Russia. Would you stand up? Let's give her a hand. She came a long ways to come to church with us this morning <laughs> via Charlotte. But she, uh, what was your name again? Lena. Yeah, Lena. Well, we want to welcome you and uh, thank you for coming. And probably some people from here will be going to Russia. Uh, and I don't know how they're going to get there, but the Lord does. <laughs> I don't know if I'll necessarily be one, but I could, you know. But there's, the Lord has a call on this church to go to the nations and for the nations to come here. It's a real big part of what the Lord's given us. So we always are excited when people from other countries come here. I was wishing uh, that Arthur and Joanne would be. They're not here this morning. Huh? They're not here, but they're from Poland. and So I was hoping you'd get to meet them. But anyways, thank you for coming. and. Thank you guys for bringing her. We want to take a moment to pray for Jim Hill. Jim, come up. Jim is going to South America on Wednesday. He's going to be going down there to minister in Paraguay and Chile and Argentina. And he's going to be down there to the 26th of this month. So, what time are you leaving, Jim? Uh, Wednesday afternoon. It'll be Wednesday afternoon. If you, in your bulletin, there's a little thing on it, when and where and all this. I want you to keep that and put it on your refrigerator and be praying for Jim every day. Yeah, we'll do the kids. I wanted to be able to pray for Jim before. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, we want to you know, be praying for Jim every day as he's gone because, uh, you know, now they're saying it's dangerous for Americans to be in other places. And it probably always was. And, you know, <laughs> now everybody's just saying it. But, you know, if you're where the Lord wants you, it, I mean, it doesn't matter where you're at. As long as you're in the middle of God's will. 
Now, that's the main thing. You can be right over there and, you know, hanging out with uh, Bin Laden. If, you're, if that's God's will for you, you're the best place you could be. Well, that's what we believe. So, I'd like for some people to come up and lay hands on Jim. We want to send him in the name of the Lord and bless him. Uh, Kathy, you want to come up? Kathy's not going, but she's going to hang around here and she has to put up with us without Jim. And um, Is James... James here this morning? James Hill? Where, James, won't you? And Amber? Is Nova here? She's not here. Yeah, their grandbaby was in the hospital, for those who didn't know Celeste. She had a sickness, and, you know, a weak old baby had to be in the hospital. But she's okay. Thank you, Lord. So thanks, everybody, for praying. But, of course, James and Amber are not going either, but they're the kids. They're going to be left behind, and... And Nova and Luis will be left behind here. So we want to just bless them today, bless all of them, uh, and, and bless Jim's travel. So won't you just re- stand up and, or sit there, reach your hand towards Jim. And Father, we want to bless the Hill family. We really do thank you for bringing them here. Lord, they've been such a vital part of what you're doing here. Lord, they're really key people here. And, and we just really want to thank you for them and then publicly acknowledge that we really love uh, Jim and Kathy and Amber Nova and, and James. We really do love them, Lord, and Luis and their two babies. Father, I pray that uh, you would um, cause this trip to be um, a step. You know, the things that you've spoken to Jim that he hasn't stepped into yet, that he knows are there, he just hasn't been able to make that step. I pray this trip would be a, a he would be able to step into some of those things. Lord, that He's really heard you speak to him. I know He's heard some things. He's been waiting. He's been diligent in this time. But He'd better begin to step in those things that He believes are, have been on the horizon for Him. Things He's hoped for, God. Things He's believed for. Prophetic words that have been spoken over His, over his life. Personal words that you've spoken to Him. We ask you. Keep Him safe, Lord. Don't let anything hurt Him. Don't let any evil come near Him. I pray any evil plan that's set for him would be sprung before he even gets there. Spring it on, his, on the enemy, Lord. And Lord, I pray that he would feel, um, he wouldn't feel, have worry in his heart about his family back here, that he would know that they're uh, being, we're taking care of them, Lord. That they're in good hands, in your hands, in our hands, Lord. Lord, just do that in Jesus' name. Bless them. Lord, we send Jesus, uh, Jim down there in the name of Jesus. We send Jesus in Jim to South America. Yeah, amen. If he don't go, we ain't going. <laughs> we'll just stay here. <laughs> well, we really do want to just love them. Just take a moment and just bless them. Anybody who wants to come out here and give Jim and Kathy and their kids a hug and just tell them you love them, now would be a good time to do that, I think. Because I think God just is saying, just you know, He loves them. So just love on them if you would. That would that would be powerful. Amen. Love on Amber and James and Kathy. Just give them a good old. Hug in the name of the Lord. You know, the Lord just loves people. You know, He really does love people. (laughs) Plenty of hugs, plenty of hugs. And also, I forgot about David, but David Hill, who's sort of a... Him and Jim are sort of replicas of each other, but (laughs) in different ways. We want to bless David too, Lord. He's part of that family. Give old David a hug. He's... He's a hill too, a hillbilly too. <laughs> Bless him, Lord. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. James.
Hugs, not drugs. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the Lord gives you anything for Jim and Kathy today. I just ask you to ask the Lord to give you a word for them. Write it down on a piece of paper and give it to them. Any any word for any of them. I think the Lord, if you just ask the Lord, He'd give it to you. Signs and wonders. What Becky was saying, love is a is a secret weapon of God. It's a powerful it's a powerful weapon. Yeah, I got to spend some time with David yesterday, and I kept thinking he was Jim. <laughs> if you turn your back on David and he talks, you wouldn't know it was him or Jim talking. They have the same kind of comments about the same stuff. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say this to Jim, just in case you think I told David, I said, if we're going to have to get rid of you or Jim, I think we're going to send Jim off, keep you. Because David's a pretty good painter, and that's sort of a needed commodity around here. I had a good time with David yesterday, just hanging around with him. Um, Now, we're going to send the kids. Now, listen, those of you who have volunteered and who have been conscripted into doing children's ministry, you know who you are? Go back with Denise, and she's going to impart um, revelation into your life to help minister to children, which that's really important to us. Y'all okay out there? Good. And the rest of you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to talk about some more about what I talked to you about last week, which was what? Anybody here last week? Money. Okay. Actually, the Lord really, the Lord set me free, I feel like. I don't know if anybody else got ministered to last week about money, because, you know, I was always nervous about talking about money in the church and all that, but um, I felt like last week the Lord really helped me through that. And one of the things that I said last week, I'm just going to give you a quick capsule review, is more is said in the Bible about money than any other horizontal thing. In other words, more is said about money than about child raising or about your relationship with your wife, your family, or about relationship with other people. The Bible has more to say about that than anything. The Bible has more to say about prayer and worship of God and our relationship with God, a vertical, okay, for sure. But money is a big subject in the Bible. In fact, here are some what I would consider to be eye-opening statistics about money in the Bible. Listen to this. This, is, this blew my mind when I... When this was discovered, it says in the New Testament, there are 215 verses on faith. New Testament, 215 verses on faith that deal with faith. Or there's 218 verses that deal with salvation. Okay, listen to this. This is, this is insane. There's 2,084 verses that deal with money and finances in the New Testament. When I read it, I thought, my goodness, Lord. You know, you had a lot to say about money. More than meets the eye. As a matter of fact, 16 of Jesus' parables, 16 out of, I think he had like 30, 30 something, 38, is it 38 parables, Jim? Something like that. 32 or 38, I'm not sure which one of these parables that Jesus spoke. 16 of those dealt with money. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and then I told you last week, in Acts, from Acts 2 through Acts 11, in each one of those chapters, money is talked about in each one of those chapters. 
So I think what the enemy has done to the church, the enemy has, has bushwhacked the church, the enemy has perverted our whole thinking on money, the enemy has backed a lot of preachers down, a lot of teachers down from talking about money in the church because of you know extremes and abuses that have happened in the church about money. Okay, I really believe that. I think the enemy has done that. And, and my personal belief is we're living in an age right now where we have to find out what the Word of God says on important issues. And money, obviously, is an important issue in the Bible. It was important to Jesus. We had to find out what God has got to say about it so we can build our life on that. You hear what I'm saying to you? We need to build our life on what the Word says about anything instead of what the world teaches us. We know a lot of what the world teaches us. We know what, you know, financial consultants will tell you. We know what the stock market tells you. But we can't build on those things. You see, I think that's where our mistake is. Like with a lot of other things, we, we can't build on financial trends. We have to build on the Word. We have to build on what God's Word says. If we build on these other things, we are building on a house of cards. And I think we've seen that. You know, when the World Trade Centers were, were bombed into, the economy just went, you know, because that was an attack on our economy. Those attacks on the World Trade Center, that was a direct hit on our economy. Just like the, the plane that hit the Pentagon was a direct hit on our Pentagon. And the, and the, the hope to, to crash into the White House was a direct, you know, attack on our political system. And we are, we are under attack. Religion in this nation, Christianity in this nation is under attack in this Islamic spirit. You know, so we really need to face some things. So I think now, and, and, and another thing I said last week was, was the devil has a plan for money. The devil has a plan for my money and your money. His ultimate plan is the mark of the beast, which is an economic mark, where you can't buy or sell without having his mark. And whatever that means, nobody really knows what it means. There's a lot of speculation out there, but... So we really have to find out what the Scripture says about money. And I think God wants to give the church a window of opportunity to really understand what the Word teaches about money. Are you all with me? So I'm really, you know, I'm sold on it. I'm convinced on it. Just for, on, for personal. Because if you, build your, if you build on anything else, if you build your economic life on anything else besides what the Scripture says, you're, gonna, you're headed for a great fall. Because this world we live in is a house of cards. It is a house of cards that God really Himself holds up. Y'all with me? No, I didn't talk about tithing or giving or anything last week, and that's not what I'm gonna. I don't. I'm not. There's a lot more in the Bible about that. So that's part of the problem. We've taken one part of God's financial picture and focused on that, and everybody feels wounded by that. Well, God wants to heal you. I think. I think God wants to heal people's finances. It's not just about giving. It's a lot more to it in the Bible. But last week, you know, giving's important. Don't get me wrong. I really believe in giving. I believe that's, that's the way, you, you know, it's the opposite spirit of hoarding, is giving. You know, that's, that's the way they handled things in the New Testament. They gave. But I don't want to talk about that. Last week, I gave you like three principles. The first one was, they're all from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The first one was, it's Jesus in 6.19 said, Lay up for yourselves. You know, the, anything that the Lord says about money, it's for you personally. It's to help you. In other words, money is meant to serve you. 
See, in America, we're serving money. We're going, we're chasing money. And, and Jesus clearly says that money will be added to you. These things will be added to you. It's meant to serve you. It's meant to help you. That's what Jesus' teaching is all about. It's for make, to make money our slave instead of us being enslaved to it. You know, this nation is enslaved to money. But God doesn't want His people to be enslaved. So He wants us to turn it around and make money our slave, make money our servant. That's really what it was designed for. It's designed to, to, you know, as far as we're concerned as Christians, it's designed to serve us. Now, people in the world is a different story, but we're not worried about them. Second thing was, is our attitude towards money reveals our attitude towards God. And that's talking about the spirit of mammon, which I'll jump over that for just a minute because I'm going to come back to that. And the third thing was God does not want us to worry about money. Anybody here, I said, does anybody here worry about money? A couple of people said they did. Uh, but if your finances are built on the world system, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to worry. You're going to worry. Because it will be shook. And it will be shook again. It will be shook again. It will be shook again until eventually the financial system of this world will collapse. It will collapse. And that's in the Bible. It really will. And if you build on that, I'm telling you, you have something you need to be really concerned about. You have a lot to be concerned about because you're headed for, just like them buildings collapsed and went straight down, that's exactly what's going to happen to the economies of the world. They are going to collapse. And if you're standing on top of them, you're going you're to ride down with them. And you, may, you will survive, like that fireman that rode 80 stories down and broke a couple of legs or something and got out of a lie. But I don't want to do that. You know, you, come on, y'all cheer up. <laughs> it could be worse. Well, I want to talk to you about that spirit of mammon a little bit. Principle number two. Let's read John 6, uh, 24, one more time. And I just want to say this. I'm not doing this to get an offering. Uh, I'm not going to take up an offering today. I'm not doing this because the church is in some dire financial strait. In fact, me and Tommy was looking, well, I was looking, Tommy was talking to me, our last quarter finances, we actually made, you know, had a profit. Uh, on the, you know, in other words, we didn't spend more money than we brought in, which is, you know, good news. Yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of money in the last year and a half, you know, moving into this building and all that, but we didn't in the last quarter. So, like somebody said, if this is about the bottom line, forget it. It's not about the bottom line. It's about, it's about what God's will is for our lives. Anyways, it says in, in verse 24 of John 6, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. What would I say? I'm so sorry. You cannot serve God and mammon. Turn over to Matthew. I'm sorry I said John. Thank you. Y'all forgave me. No one can serve two masters. All right, that's one of the things I said. It's not a matter of... Serving. Okay? You're going to serve one or the other. That's what Jesus is basically saying. There. You can't serve two of them. You're going to, you, it's not a matter of serving. You're going to either serve mammon or you're going to serve God. Okay? That's, that's what he says there. Because either he's going to hate one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one or despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, I gave you a definition. Mammon is not money itself. Even though a literal translation of mammon, is transla- you know, the Greek translation, is riches. But mammon, if you study that word in more depth, find out there's a, it means, it came from a, I guess it's more like a Philistine type 
god that they had that was named Mammon. It's a money god. So those people, when Jesus said Mammon to them, they knew exactly who Mammon was. Just like, uh, you know, a lot of Christians know who Baal is today. And you, you know, there was a god named Baal. Well, those people, you know, Mammon was just not as a popular as a god. But Mammon was a god. It was a money god. So Mammon is, this is my definition I made up from Vines and Robertson's Warbisher. Mammon is not money itself. It is the spiritual power that enslaves money through the enslaves people through the love of money. It's a spirit. It's a spirit that's on the love of money. First uh, Timothy six ten. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now that's what Mammon is, and that's what really in our nation we're affected by this spirit greatly. Our nation is affected by the love of money. We really are. I mean, if we had to say, is there a God in America besides the Lord God? Well, we wouldn't say, you know, it's Baal. I mean, I think the majority of people say money is our God. You know, because on a global scale, we are rich beyond comparison. On a global scale. When God looks at America, when God looks at Americans, we're rich. In fact, when I was thinking about when we, when we were in Zimbabwe... In August, I was saying that we was in this conference, there was a couple thousand or so people there. I was saying that, who were the richest people in there? Well, I think the richest people in there were white people. And they were a few white people, and we were them. Now, there was a Zimbabwe banker that came in there who was richer than us. And there was a, a Zimbabwe businessman in there who may have been richer than us. I don't know that he was, but that banker was. Okay? But we were the richest people in there. When Jim goes to South America, a lot of the places he's going to go to, he will be extremely rich compared to those people. Now, Jim's not a rich man. I'm not a rich man by American standards. You hear what I'm saying to you? But by God's standards, by the world's standards, you're rich. You are very rich. And see, that's what, you know, God's going to judge us on, is, is, is that kind of things. Um... I want to make sure you understand that because that's what I want to talk to you about is riches, about being rich. And I want you to see yourself as an American, as a rich person, because that is how God's going to judge you. Okay? Um, I want to go into, you know, we know that we can't love money. That's, that's clear, okay? Everybody understands that. The Bible says do not love money. Um, but... How should we think about money? How should we feel about it? That's why I want to talk to you this morning. What should be our attitude about money? We're not supposed to hate it. I don't think we're supposed to hate it. It's supposed to be our servant. Are you with me? Y'all seem awful quiet. Let's look at 1 Timothy 6.17. Let's try to take you through some things that the Scripture says and maybe it'll help you get a better picture of money. 1 Timothy... I'm going to pray, because I'll be able to do this. Okay, Lord, I ask you to help me do this, say this. I think you've got something you want to say to us. I think you want to help us, Lord, uh, with our finances. Lord, I think there's people in this room that are in big trouble financially. They may not even know it, but they are. And there's some that really do know they're in big trouble financially. But I think you want to deliver us, Lord, and set us free. And I ask you to do that, in Jesus' name. All right, 1 Timothy 
This is what Paul was telling Timothy to do. He says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, and who gives us richly all things to enjoy. All right, the first thing I want to tell you is it's okay to be rich. Okay? It's not a sin to be rich. In fact, God gives riches, and He says you can enjoy riches. There's a, there are certain blessings that comes with riches. Now, we need to understand that. There are plenty of rich people in the Bible. Abraham was rich. Solomon was rich. Okay, in the New Testament, there's a lady named Lydia who was rich. Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man. So, you see, these were all people that God loved. These were people who God used. And they were rich people. So, if you're rich by American standards today... Lord bless you. God's saying you can enjoy your riches. There are certain blessings that come with riches. And God does not say that it's wrong to be rich. You know, there's this prosperity doctrine out there. There's some truth in that. And there's this, you know, not all of it, I don't think. But let me just read you three blessings. Don't turn there for a second time. It's three blessings of riches that I found in Proverbs. Proverbs 10:15 says, The rich man's wealth is his strong city but the destruction of the poor is their poverty. The rich, man's blessed, the rich man's wealth is his strong seat. In other words, riches do bring a certain amount of security that a poor person doesn't have. In other words, if you're rich and your car blows up, you just go buy another one. But if you're a poor guy and your car blows up, you're in trouble. You're walking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's certain, that's, there's certain security in, in money. There's certain security in it. Here's another one. Proverbs 19.4. Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his friend. In other words, if you're rich, there's always going to be friends around. You know? And now they may not be the best friends in the world. They may not be the most sincere friends in the world. But you're going to have some friends. And if you're a poor person, guess what it says? It says it'll, it'll actually separate you from your friends. Because people get tired of you being hanging around with poor people all the time. I've known some real poor people in my life, and that was one characteristic about them, is they didn't have many friends. They didn't have people over. They didn't go over to people's house. In fact, you didn't want to see them coming, because you knew they ain't got nothing. I'm going to have to feed them tonight. You know? <laughs> we live next, close to some, I mean, very poor people. I mean, these people, were, I was shocked. And we were poor when I grew up. I went in these people's house. I will never forget this for as long as I walked in the front door and I could see through the walls in that house. I could see daylight. A little old bitty house. These people had nothing. You know, I mean, I grew up in the 60s and as a little boy. And these people were, were riding a wagon in the 60s, being pulled, pulled by a mule. That's how poor they were. That's poor. That was pretty poor, even, you know even by the world standards. All right, here's another one. Proverbs 22, 7. And them boys were mean. There were three of them. And one of them used to beat me on a regular basis. In fact, he, I, think I can credit him for making me so mean. He was a couple years old. He'd come over and just beat the fire out of me. You know, come over. I'll tell you what he did one time. He was real mean. This guy... I've never told anybody. This guy came over and had some matches and said, I'm going to burn your house down. He started striking his matches and threw them in the ground. I'd go over and stomp him out and then take a couple swings at him and then I'd wind up on the ground. 
He'd do the same. He did that thing about ten times. His brother was over there, who was my age, begging him, please stop, please stop. I mean, that's how mean he was. I mean, I think that's where I got a lot of, you know, fi- being a fighter and all that stuff was from this one guy named Jasper. <laughs> I will never forget Jasper. But he had a brother. You know what his brother name? His brother's name. This is interesting. His brother's name was Q. Q. You know, like the Q stick. That was his name. But Q was a good fellow. Jasper was mean. And he had another. Uh, had an older. His oldest brother. His name was Levi. <laughs> Some really interesting people. <laughs> Anyways, back to the real world. <laughs> Proverbs 22, verse 7. The, the rich rules over the poor. The rich rules over the poor. And the borrow, borrower is servant of the lender. In other words, if you're rich, you're going to be the head. And if you're poor, you're going to be the tail. That's just the way it is. Do you know many poor people who are in, I'm talking about the natural realm, or to have... Uh, power and authority and can say stuff. But I know a lot of rich people that have a lot of power and authority because they're rich. Now, there's some blessings in that. There's some blessing in all of that. I mean, I don't want to be the tail, have somebody else dictating what I do, but if I was a rich man, I wouldn't have to put up a lot of stuff. You just buy them. I'm going to buy your hide. I'm going to buy your company. You don't be messing with me no more. Make me mad. I'll buy them and fire your hide. <laughs> But you see, there's blessings in, in, in riches. And, and God gives us riches to be enjoyed. That's my point here. But, let me just say this, there are mixed blessings in riches. It's a mixed bag. You hear what I'm saying to you? Let's go back to, well, you never left First Timothy. Uh, let's look at verse 9 in First Timothy 6. And here's the thing. The Bible has more warnings about riches than it does 